The following resources presented by the Counseling and Conference Services of IOM America. Welcome to A Counselor's Point of View. Hi, my name is Steve Finney and I will be your host. We certainly want to welcome our online listeners this morning. This is part one of a part two series on our identification in Christ Jesus for the psychological area of life. Keeping in mind there's seven areas of life. Psychological area of life is only one of those seven areas. And there are seven applications for each seven area of life. And identification is the second application. What was last week? It was psychological area of life. But what was the application? Repentance. So now let's break this down a little bit. This is the passage that we read earlier is Proverbs 23.7. But it is said that the one that one's thought patterns reveals, it is said that one's thought patterns reveals the person's functional identity. Functional means not what you say you are, but actually you need to listen and you need to watch of how people function in life Because that's their true identity, by their choices. It's what they're setting their mind upon, as the passage is telling us, for as he thinks within himself, so he is. So what we need to train each other in doing, and, and training in discipleship, it's not degrees in discipleship, it's training in discipleship, we need to train people how to identify that person's identity. Why would that be important? Now, we're actually breaking this down one more step, and that is flesh patterns. See, if I can watch someone's functional identity very closely, I can figure out a flesh pattern. In order for me as a discipler to understand predictability of the people I'm working with, I have to understand their flesh pattern. Remember the Sunday that we we addressed us being on time and all that kind of stuff, and and I knew that even addressing the simplicity of being on time, I was going to lose congregational members. Had two threats, two aren't here. Because people cannot be told what to do. That is a flesh pattern that says, don't you dare talk to me about my flesh pattern. That's my own private sin. Thank you. No, they don't even go to that level of honesty. It's classically the person makes excuses. So now, what do we have? You see that pattern in the person's life. What can I predict? They'll be late. Okay, it's a real simple deal. So if I am able to predict that they're going to be late, I can manage and plan around or help that person in their pattern. I can literally direct their steps back towards first-hand obedience. God told me years ago, never put a ministry in the hands of someone who is late. Don't do it. Because they can't be there on the dime in order to to protect the elements 
of first-hand obedience through a first-hand God. So we have to keep this in mind as we are building disciples for Christ is we need to understand what are they setting their mind on? So if you said right back to the person, well, if you could for a moment push the excuses out of the way and tell me really why you're late? Do you understand what's going to happen? You're at the very core of what drives them in their closets, what drives them in their little silverware drawers, what drives them in their their cleaning cabinets, what drives them in... You're at the core. That's why I've always said, if you want to know the condition of a man's heart, look in his truck. It's just the simple facts. If you want to know how a woman manages her children, open up her cleaning closet. It's simply the facts. They won't believe you. Because they have somehow bought into this American deception year after year after year. It's these things that make me such an individual character. My own identity. Well, I'm not impressed. Not of my own closets nor of your closets. That isn't the point. God is a God of order. God is a God of success. God is a God of the yes. He wants to simply tell someone to do something. They're saying, I'm on it. Not ten minutes, not ten hours, not put it on their to-do schedule. He wants to get the body of Christ to the point of when he speaks that the, that the man, the woman, the child says, Can I do it? And instantly there's ministry accomplished instead of delaying it for 10 hours, 10 days, 10 months, 10 years. Where God has to constantly wait upon mankind to get their household in order. If your fingerprints touch it, bring it to completion. Pulled up in the driveway of someone recently. Crap was just everywhere. And you look at that mess and you go, how's this happen? Someone answer that? That could be a part of it, but that's not really why. Well, it could be a significant part of the why. (laughs) Exactly. So what happens is the guy or the gal gets out there and starts one task and gets distracted by something else and starts that one and gets distracted by something else and starts another, gets distracted by another, and starts another. So when you look into that person's front room, when you look into that person's closet, when you look into that person's yard, you see a mind... Stay with me on this. That is everywhere but doing what they're told to do. How can you walk up to that man in his yard and say, "Um, oh, by the way, I can really help you get out of this mess. Really? I doubt it. No, really, I can't. 
Okay. So what, what am I going to do? Okay, it's just common sense 101. What am I going to do? Anybody? I, what's that? We're going to have a brain transplant with you. If you want to step with me, please, over here. To, no? It doesn't matter. Hey, let's start with the rake. You want to pick up that rake and take it to the garage, and I don't want you leaning it against anything. I want you to hang it on the wall. I'll be right here waiting for you. Here's a grown man. Grown man. You think grown men forget what it feels like to be a little boy being told what to do? Then you don't understand what life's about. He's picking up this rake, and as he's carrying this rake, it's like, this is ridiculous. I can't believe I have to do this. Goes back and says, All right, what's the next one? Well, take the lawnmower. I want you to push it back into the garage and I want you to find a little spot for it that'll stay there every single time you're done mowing the lawn. And then I want you to wipe it off, clean it, and when you're done, come back. So, what's going through this guy's mind? I'm not a little kid. I don't have to be told. Yes, you are. You've never matured in the ways of the Lord. How can God entrust great things to you if you're not faithful with lawnmowers? Do you see my point? Or his point? How could you be entrusted, America... With being the most powerful country in the world, liar, liar, pants on fire, if you're not faithful in taking care of your own poverty people. Liar, liar, pants on fire. But see, America lives in deception. They view life through deception. If you talk to your average politician, say, Ask them the question, are we the most powerful country in the world? They're going to say, yes. of course we are. No, you're about number 10 from the bottom. If you go by debt and competition. But see, competition won't allow you to accept your level of debt. Because you always have to have the newer car. You have to have the newer, the, the newer, the, you see what I mean? It doesn't allow you to embrace your debt. So therefore, God has to reduce you to nothing. So he, these principles will actually work. Point number one. What we set our minds, what we set our minds on unfolds our deepest confession. Our minds are a blessed gift given to us by our faithful Father. If a person's way of thinking is changed or renewed, the person himself is changed. If it's changed here, it'll be changed here. It'll be changed here. It'll be changed here. It'll be changed here. here. The way you change the world is not by supporting a ministry. The way you change the world is by putting the rake away Properly. That doesn't make sense to most people. 
They'd rather give their money to a, to a ministry that's a world changer. They'd rather support someone else or volunteer once in a while. They don't realize it's hanging the rake on the wall correctly. Because if you do that correctly, you'll put the lawnmower away correctly. If you put the lawnmower away correctly, you're going to handle your child correctly. If you handle your child correctly, you're going to handle your marriage correctly. If you handle your marriage correctly, you're going to handle being the bride of Christ correctly. If you're going to handle being the bride of Christ correctly, you're going to be a world changer. Because when you speak the name of your husband, there will be change. No, we do it backwards. We start naming it and claiming it and using the name of Jesus like he's some kind of slot machine. And when it comes to the rake being left in the yard, rusting away, it's just a rake. It's a human life to God. God is in in all things, and I don't mean that in a, in a way of paganism. I am simply saying that everything you touch, you are confessing something to the world around you. Number two, the truth being said, unsaved people oftentimes have a better track record of changing behavior than Christians. I mean, you can drive by some people's houses and go, oh man, I bet they're, they're good Christians. Why? Because you're evaluating them according to their lawn. Or they wash the outside of their house down or whatever. And the simple facts are, is that they are setting, they're doing something that the average Christian doesn't do. They're actually setting their minds on excellence. And you're seeing it. And you're making an assumption. How many times have I said to some of you or others, you know, that person would just make a great Christian. Because they got the work ethic thing down. You know what I mean? They got the whole thing down about doing things absolutely with excellence. You don't have to retrain them like a dog. Christians are the most independent, arrogant, resistant people of humanity. We cannot be told what to do. And it is soon to flip over on us and bury us. And who's going to advance ahead of us faster than you could even possibly consider catching up with? Unsaved people. Why? Because they do it right. And we can't even hang our rakes anymore. For sure being told to hang the rake right. Number three. Man's goal in, in the people helping world is always to change behavior. But in God's domain, it is the release of the Holy Spirit within you. It's not to change your behavior. So if you feel like you have to change your behavior for somebody, like a wife or a husband or a friend or whatever, you are under deception. 
Not the person who you feel you need to change for. They could be here today or gone tomorrow. This is going on in you. The release of the Holy Spirit is a private thing between you and the living God. It's not to change your behavior. We can get dogs to do that. In fact, I can train a dog easier and faster than I can train you. I promise you that for the living God. Dogs are easier to get good behavior out of than humans. Because humans will give you good behavior and then they will return with bitterness. The guy coming back from the garage, the rack, the rake on there, and he comes back and he's... Every little mandate is adding to his hostility until finally, whether it is the dog poop in the yard or whether it is parking his car correctly, bitterness is finally going to show up and it will snap him like a twig. If you don't believe me, you need to open your eyes a little bit. Once the release of the Spirit occurs, the mind of Christ is heard within the mortal being for the strict purpose of God accomplishing His own will in and through that indwelt Christian. That's the goal. It's not to hang the rake. It's not to change their behavior. It's not even that they become better daddies or husbands or take care of the yards better. What happens if the rake turns rusty and the wood deteriorates? What happens? Huh? And you have to go do what? You gotta go buy a new one. The deception in America from here all the way to the elder years is you just buy a new one. This is a deception from Satan. Just buy a new one. Whereas if you cared for the rake year after year after year after year. Whose rake would you have in your garage? Your grandpa's. And we have tools in our garage that are two, three, four generations old. Do you understand the principle here? You're not only staying out of debt, you're literally saving money. By hanging the rake in the garage. By cleaning the stuff off the rake. By re-oiling the wood. What would take 30 seconds will save you $30. And you do that to everything you touch. You'll get the principle very quickly. It is of zero surprise that the belief system of change behavior is a worldly objective. And it shouldn't be a surprise to least us indwelt Christians that God's objective always transformation through Him revealing Himself in us. 
Romans 12.2 And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may prove what is the will of God. So the way you actually prove what the will of God is, is by hanging the rake. Agree or disagree? So you're watching some guy, you know, you're sitting there on the, you can't, you were invited over for, for dessert and coffee and you're sitting on his front patio or porch and you're watching this guy that owns this place and he's, you're watching him wipe off the rake, you know, and the, whatever and he's walking it over to his garage and you're just watching him hang it there and comes back up. What's going through your mind? Man, has he got OCD. Yeah. Psychological label. So the best way to destroy God is to find a psychological label that gives proof that the person does first-hand obedience. Oh, they're sick. Look at them. It could be sickness if it's not done for the right reason. But that's what's happened to the world of Christianity. We literally have psychological labels for Christians. Even people that say that they hear God are like schizophrenic. Yeah. Growing up with deceptions. And I think the one, if you want to get me on a soapbox quicker than any other and that is to walk into a Christian college and go into a class and the name of the class or the course is called Christian Psychology. That's like Christian Satanism. There's no value in that. There's no healing in psychological. There's no label that can help deliver us. All labels give you is an opportunity to have pharmakia. Pharmakia is Greek. It's where we get the term pharmacy. Drugs. It's a part of the deception of the dominoes to now where you have zealous Christians who are on Xanax. Is that a antidepressant or am I thinking of the heartburn thing? Yeah. That's where it goes. So now let's sedate all the Christians because they're so zealous. There's something wrong. I think they got manic depression. Because they're excited one day and the next day they're in despair. The focus of the exchanged life believer is on transformation. Their lives become a proving ground for the will of God and thus confirming the goodness and perfection of God's will being released in the believer. And as you can see, God puts his focus on his will being released in the mortal being, whereas mankind puts his own focus on change behavior for a healthier way of living. As long as you have changed behavior, you've done your job as a people helper. No, you've led them further away from Jesus Christ. And here we are on this end of the scale. 
Bing. So as long as I can change you guys' behavior, it's enough. Why? Because I want you to make me happy? Or to make your spouse happy? You are farther away from Jesus Christ. When a person becomes born again believer, Christ takes the throne chair, so to speak, of that new convert. This is a common belief in the culture of the exchange life teachers that self is on the throne until the believer makes the exchange of putting Christ on the throne. Not so. Christ shares his glory with nobody but his Father. And the only way to enjoy that glory is to be in Christ. I believe that the conversion is the starting place of the exchange life because of salvation. Christ makes the exchange of putting the old nature to death and puts his life in exchange for our old self. When this salvation takes place, Christ not only is placed on the throne of that person's life, he never leaves that throne for any selfish reason. There's no off to the pocket over here and him waiting until you get off the throne. He is never going to budge. And the reason why you feel guilty, the reason why you feel shamed is the simple fact that Christ will not move. You're doing all the moving. Not Christ. I put the emphasis on on the convert allowing blockage between the mind of man and the mind of Christ within the believer. The result of this blockage is fleshly patterns left behind by the old man. Man will function in their indwelt life by way of their own mind, will, and emotions. And that's what I mean by like training a dog. I know enough about human behavior, been in the people helping field long enough, that you can get people to change, jump, hop, lift their hands, get excited in worship, write songs, write poems, write books, and it's all fruitless. But it's got all Christ-centered, 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 and it means nothing to God. Because they're dogs that have been trained to write like dogs that have a good identity. Or whatever the case may be. I can remember when Touched by an Angel came out and the flooding of American Christians saying, Finally we have a Christian show. That was the most demonic show that has ever been on the air. The Worship of Angels. Direct warning given to us. In the scriptures, there will come a day when they will worship angels over the living God. People who talk more about the attributes versus the life of Christ are guilty of this. Here's the process of salvation, if you remember. We have God the Father, we have God the Son, we have God the Holy Spirit. 
The Holy Spirit is actually put inside of our mortal beings when we get saved. But see, even though the Holy Spirit becomes a central focal point of identity in that believer, it does not necessarily mean that that new indwelt believer is not going to be resistant. You see that Holy Spirit telling them to pick up the rake, wipe off the dirt, oil the handle, and put it back on the wall of the garage. They don't want to hear it. Christians nowadays want the benefits of salvation, but they don't want the tragedy of it. The hard work. The make your bed, clean your room part of Christianity. If a kid can't make his bed, I'm not using him in ministry. I won't do it. I don't care what his age is. I won't do it. Because I'm setting them up for failure. Why? Because flesh patterns show predictability. And predictability tells me exactly what I can expect out of that person in ministry. Same thing with parenting. Why would you entrust your child to taking care of your household if he can't make his bed without being told? That is what the word calls stupidity. But we do it every day. God is interested in this because He wants the Holy Spirit 100% obedient first time, first hand, split second obedience inside that bridal member. Do you get it? It isn't about you or your fleshly habits, or your sinful behavior. It isn't. It's all about God telling Jesus, Jesus speaking through the Holy Spirit inside this bridal member, and they don't hold a hand up to, excuse me, that's a little radical. But if the Holy Spirit says, Stephen, Raise this baby from the dead. If you remember the actual story, driving down the highway, I can mark that spot on the highway where the Holy Spirit, which was Christ speaking, do you believe I can raise this baby from the dead? How long did it take me to respond? I responded before the thought was finished in my head. Of course I believe that you can raise this baby from the dead. Then he says, someone want to finish the story? He said what? Go pray. That's three seconds. Bing, bing, bing. And I have to drive, go to the hospital, go into the ICU, dead baby, two and a half hours dead. And I walk in. They won't let me in. Grandma takes a picture out of her purse, throws it on the floor, says, pray. I prayed, and the baby came back to life. All within an hour. It wasn't about me. It was about God accomplishing His will in this manner. 
So when people accuse me about being always, always, always being about ministry, you better believe I'm always about ministry. That's what it's about. It's not securing friendships. It's not securing anything besides the will, proving the will of the Father. And if you feel short-sheeted or cheated because of that, I say, oh well. Whether you're my wife, my children, my grandchildren, or my friends, I say, oh well. Because I'm not changing my legacy for any human. Because they feel bad. Because they're not of higher priority. But see, in this release of the Spirit, you do happen to enjoy relationships. You get good friends, you get dynamic marriage, you get, you do get the benefits. The disciple must focus on releasing the Spirit within the believer, and this is accomplished by addressing the flesh patterns within their minds that rise up against the knowledge of God. That's actually a verse. This is why I support the idea that God puts his emphasis on renewal of mind, the starting place of transformation. Now when we attempt to answer this question, how much do you and I actually promote evil? This question is so subjective that you have to have a theological degree in order to answer it. That's pretty much what we're taught. The answer to the question is pretty simple, though. God's wisdom is a mystery by purpose. So that man cannot tap it unless he or she is indwelt by the life of Christ. So here, here this, this life this mystery, this deep wisdom that only a handful speak, by the way. Haven't you ever been enriched in wisdom and you're talking to someone and they're giving you all this fluff and you want to say something because they're just not even close to the cup? That won't change. It'll get deeper and richer the more you accept who you are in Christ. And here it is, with angelic protection around that treasure chest of wisdom. And God will not allow man to have access to this treasure, leaves it a mystery, and there's only one way to tap into this treasure box, and that is to be in the box. It's the only way. It's not going over and go, well, the Lord that God says that you should. Those are called hypocrites. Those are called Pharisees. And God was very rude with them. The only way to tap into that mystery box is to be in the box. In Christ. In it. In the life. Drinking it all day long. 
Stuff will come out of your mouth that will blow you out of your socks. Daily. Who among you is wise and understanding? Let him show by his good behavior, his deeds, and the gentleness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your heart, which is also, you go look up yourself, it just so happens that the Greek mentions competition in your heart. Got to be a little bit better. Do not be arrogant so lie against the truth. This wisdom is not that which comes down from above, but is earthly, natural, makes sense, and demonic. You see, the earthly natural thing, I understand going getting a degree to understand this verse. But, the truth is, there's two cups. Demonic and Spirit of God. One is applied and one is ingested. So, this stuff that makes sense in the world, I mean, seriously, we're going into $82,000 debt to get degrees in demonic doctrines. What has happened to us? And there are college people that would, well, since this is being podcast, I know I'm going to get some responses on this, particularly from those who have doctorates, is who I get these from. They're insulted by this simplicity. When they have spent hundreds of thousands of dollars on degrees to be able to say what I'm not supposed to say unless I have that degree. Who are you to say this? You must have been with this Jesus. Ah, duh, I'm in that cup. I drink of the knowledge of God by my little literal existence. Give me the stupidest person in the entire world and God can breathe life into that mind. And stuff can come out of their mouths. You're like, where is he getting it? What, what books do you study? What authors do you read? I don't read yet. <laughs> where are you getting it? Uh, it wells up in me. That's how Christians survived until the mid-1800s. Welled up in me. Changed life was understood and accepted all the way up to the mid-1800s as the norm. Now we have to prove it. In fact, we're called the bad guys for teaching it. How insultive. James is making an earth-shattering statement. He's saying that any wisdom that does not come down from heaven through the indwelling of the Holy Spirit is promoting evil. I pray that God turns this country upside down.
because we are becoming the most educated fools in the world, cannot sustain our own educated people. When you give me simple-minded people who just believe in the power of God, we can accomplish much. This resource has been presented by the Counseling and Conference Services of IOM America. For more information about our ministries, visit us online at IOMAmerica.org. That's IOMAmerica.org.